Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Copland, President and CEO of McKinney Favelle, and today is June 10th, 2022. And welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. I'm joined by two guests today, and that is Nicole Thomas, Vice President of Information Sales and Services for McKinney Favelle. Hello, Nicole. Hello, Michael. How are we doing? I'm doing great today. It's Friday. And even though it's a holy WASDI day, and we're going to be talking about that today, I somehow grabbed Kevin because, you know, he doesn't like to He do doesn't do Friday, Friday WASDIs. Yeah. He's like, I'm out. But he's here. He's here. Hello, hey, Kevin, Kevin Combs. Hello, Michael. Hello, everybody. Oh, man. Happy Friday to everyone out there. Uh, this morning, the WASDI report was released. Um, in the report, they they suggested that the Golden State Warriors would beat the Boston <laughs> Celtics tonight. Michael, what? You are a jinx. You I do mean, not I said, talk I mean, about uh, the Warriors uh, on podcast. They don't talk about Bruno sorry. or the Warriors, apparently. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, the USDA said that the Boston Celtics would beat the Warriors. How's that? Is that better? No. Well, you know, I'm torn. <laughs> I'm torn because the, the uh, fellow uh, or former Californian in me really wants to, to root for Golden State. Yeah. But then there's Tatum. And Tatum's St. Louis hometown guy. Oh, my gosh. He probably worked at Ted Drew's. He went to Duke. Forget about him. Uh, <laughs> he would get more credit if he went to uh, SLU, huh? Yeah. I guess you yeah, have Yeah, he'd have there. much more credit if he went to yeah. SLU. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. or yeah, anything else other than Duke. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a Kentucky guy. One thing for sure, it's going to be a great game. It's going to be fun. And I uh, hope everybody out there enjoys it, and especially you, Charles Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Enough of the joking around. Um, let's get started. Nicole, why don't we start with you? What did they do uh, on uh, the Wazdi today for corn and soybeans? Okay, well, let's start with corn. Corn was reasonably quiet. Uh, they did raise ending stocks for 21-22, uh, current marketing year, by 45 million bushels. Uh, we're just, well, I guess 15 million bushels under 1.5 billion. Uh, and that came from a uh, kind of an offset, uh, offsetting change to food, seed, and industrial, which was increased uh, by 5 million bushels, and exports, which were reduced by 50 million bushels. Uh, so our stocks use is still just under 10%. Looks like we will have a similar scenario for 22-23 uh, with the stocks to use uh, now right at 1.4 billion bushels. Globally, it was pretty quiet there as well. I mean, they increased the global ending stocks by uh, about one and a half million tons. We're almost at 311, 311 million. They left Ukrainian exports unchanged at 23 million. So, you know, really not too much in the way of change. I will share with folks, though, I had quite uh, an impressive windshield tour through a lot of uh, corn growing country. So I started in Atlanta, I drove to St. Louis, drove from St. Louis to Kansas City, from Kansas City up into Iowa, and from Iowa down through Illinois, back to St. Louis. Oh my gosh. I know, right? I'm I'm not even going to say what I am. So, <laughs> uh, because, you know, you tell people, oh, I did all this driving to look at corn, and they think you're a little nuts. But I will say that 
everything is is you know as we've seen via the crop progress report certainly late uh, or as someone uh put it a couple of nights ago the crop is very young <laughs> which i agree with but it looked pretty good and you know i think granted this is you know you can only ascertain so much from driving down an interstate and trying to gauge what is what but i would say with the exception of iowa which felt very corn heavy uh you could certainly see you know through the rest of the country or at least the portions i drove through that uh beans did they're doing pretty good with acreage this year i don't know if we'll hit exactly at that 91 million you know some of that may have been lost to corn along the way but uh, you certainly saw that and everything looked really really good right now young but good you can see the impact of all that rain so Let's keep our fingers crossed for good weather and maybe we'll get a boost in yield. Uh, maybe, maybe in some area, somehow, a little more acreage that will help us with these ending stocks for 22, 23 for corn. So that's your wisey stuff for corn. Okay. As far as the soybeans were concerned, it was a little more eventful in that the ending stocks for 21, 22 were lowered by 30 million bushels. That puts us at 205 million all that decline did i say million or billion reduction of 30 million bushels to get us to 205 million there you go. all of that coming from the export category so you know we're you know seeing the impact of uh greater demand uh globally even last month's report we were still you know running pretty close to that number via physical sales that have already been reported so not too surprising that we got a bit of an upward adjustment here Excluding uh, that likewise reduction to beginning stocks for 22-23, the rest of that was left unchanged. So, you know, we're, we're hoping for a bit of a stocks building scenario going into 22-23, and hopefully uh, Mother Nature will help us with that. And then global soybean stocks were raised uh, by a little less than a million tons for 21-22, and that was due to some slightly higher revisions for production out of Argentina and Brazil. You know, both have felt some impact from dryness this year, but uh, looks like things as time went on got a little better. And then in terms of soybean oil, we did see uh, another slight reduction in ending stocks for the current marketing year due again to stronger exports. Not surprising, lack of available alternatives on the market. We've had issues with palm oil exports, uh, ongoing issue with sunflower oil exports. So uh, and canola, of course, the, the issues we've had there. So not surprising to see a little more demand there for the soybean oil. Not to mention that both Brazil and Argentina have been talking uh, or speaking lately about increasing biodiesel blending in both countries. Thank you, strong crude oil. And accordingly, means a little more of that bean crush in the in the domestic market, and a little more of that oil in the domestic market, albeit probably temporarily. I don't know. Give it two or three months as we work through, you know, stronger energy prices, and hopefully there's a little pressure there that leads to change in in that sort of biofuel direction uh, in the not so distant future. And because of that reduction for domestic, for the U.S. 21-22 ending stocks. That also aided in taking 22-23 projected stocks 
down additionally to now we're sub 1.7 billion. That would be uh, seen as a reasonably tight market. Now, globally, there was some reduction to 21-22 ending stocks for soybean oil as well. Those now sit just a bit above 4 million metric tons. And again, no surprise there. That was due to slightly higher consumption and slightly lower exports. So I will leave our listeners with this. Considering what I said about the progress of this crop thus far, we will obviously be delayed in terms of harvest. With our current ending stocks for beans, you know, sitting really close to 200 million bushels and it's feeling very reminiscent of last year and concerns about tight bean stocks at the end of the crop year and transitioning into the new, this could make for a very interesting September that could not only impact, you know, just availability of those beans and crush, but uh, accordingly basis numbers for the fourth quarter of this year. Uh, And you're probably going to see that third quarter strength that we usually see seasonally drag further into fourth quarter, all as a result of of this, this late planting scenario. So that is one of the main reasons we've got being prices as strong as they as they've uh, as they are and, and that rally we've seen over the last couple of weeks is concerned about getting out of 2122 and into 2223. So for for our listeners uh, and definitely our oil buyers, a little food for thought there. All right. Thank you, Nicole. Let's uh, shift over to Kevin. Kevin, last month, uh, you know, hey, you know what I did this last month? I pa- I planted some sugar beets. In my backyard, because nice. you know, last month you were talking about how sugar beets, you know, problems with plantings, late harvest, all this stuff. So I planted. Nate and I planted a couple rows. Is that going to make a difference? No. Uh, yeah, your 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 few feet of beets is not going to uh, compensate for. Uh, Darn it. One point two million. Well, one point one three million uh, acres of beets. So. It was great thought process, and I'm really curious who's going to process those for you, too. Well, <laughs> there's a couple uh, beat processors are out here, I guess. I'll uh, just call Wait them out. Wait out of Send it UPS. Great job. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, right. be, I'll be, I'll be uh, demanding my payments. There you go. And they're processing right now, finishing up their crop because they're oh. not on the normal cycle. Oh, my gosh. Maybe I could help some, some people out later this year. Yeah, I don't think yeah. we have a beat in time. But anyway. <laughs> Let's move on and, and talk about the rest of the sugar. <laughs> but yeah, you know, the, the theme has been late plantings and that kind of continued for the Red River Valley. You know, they'd like to be planted by May 5th on an average crop year. Obviously, they'd love to get in earlier. And that certainly did not happen with all the wet weather that they uh, continued to have. And it dragged things out. And, you know, it should be about finished now, which... You know, when they get planted in June, they can still squeak out a decent crop. A lot of times when they're late like this, they like to uh, expand planting tolerances and allow growers to plant additional acreage. But given what's going on with all the grain prices being super strong, I think certainly higher than what you'd see out of beets, it's going to be really tough to pick up new acreage to do any offset. So, you know, I think we're really going to have to rely on good weather to pick up some uh, yield as the crop progresses. The nice thing is they got good subsoil moisture. And oh, that's so good. If we get some sunshine and get uh, 
uh, some warm weather this summer, along yeah. with some timely rains as the crop progresses. Maybe they can pick up uh, a week or two's growth and, uh, you know, expand upon yields. It's, it's certainly not out of the woods, but uh, I think you can expect a couple, two to three uh, tons per acre uh, decline versus average, which is kind of what the USDA is projecting. I think in this write-up, they had uh, a little over 27 tons per acre. And in a good crop, we'd like to see an average yield for the whole industry probably closer to 30. So definitely down and also late. And so what the USDA did, they uh, had taken 80,000 tons out of the 21-22 crop last month. And this month they took out another 100,000 tons. So, mm. you know, we're looking in... Uh, the fall last year, USDA had raised their estimates and we're looking at a potential record crop. And now we're looking at a pretty darn average 5.154 million tons for the crop finishing up. And then the bad news didn't finish there because with all this information, the USDA really lowered their 2022-23 crop estimate as well. They took that down 191,000 tons. So we're off nearly 300,000 tons this month of beet production and put the crop at 4.809 uh, million short tons. So that's pretty, uh, wow. pretty depressing. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look at the rest of the changes, everything was pretty minor throughout the uh, uh, supply demand estimates. They left demand unchanged this month after raising it for three consecutive months. So mm -hmm. it's still that strong. 2.6% growth in, in food deliveries uh, projections. We'll have to see how things play out. Again, the SMD report's not out, so it didn't have a chance to look at that this morning. But uh, stocks to use ratio for 22-23, did you wow. see that, Mike? Yeah, no, is that a typo? No, that's not a typo. Oh that was 7.6% right now with, you know, they don't have all the quotas in. They took the lower production down next month. USDA will uh, bring that up to 13.5% by establishing uh, Mexico's uh, import numbers. And, you know, they're already using 1.323, but to bring that up, uh, we're going to need to see over 400,000 tons if everything stays, un stays status quo. And so Mexico could be looking at about 1.7 million short tons, probably about 1.5 million metric wow. tons. Wow. The nice thing is... They'll have that sugar. Yeah, that's good. Because, that's good to hear. That, that's important. Yeah. They're having a, a good crop. Their crop's finishing up here over the next couple of weeks that, you know, wasn't long ago. We were looking for them to be around 6 million tons. USDA went up to 6.2 million metric tons on their estimate for next year. I don't know they're going to hit that as the crop is winding up pretty quick. There's only about uh, 9 or 10 mils still operating and area harvested is pretty small. But, you know, there's no reason next year for them not to uh, achieve, you know, the USDA is using 6 million metric tons. But um, as long as they get a good rainy season, I think they could surpass that and, you know, have another 6.2 million ton crop. And they're only consuming about uh, 4.2 million domestically, despite up 8% this year as well. So they're having a big, strong recovery in demand or shipments anyway this year. So that, you know, still leaves them close to a 2 million metric ton surplus to cover that and still have sugar for their IMEX, et cetera. So it'll balance out, but uh, 
things are still good. tight. It's yeah. you know no competition for beet. We don't have a lot of beet entities in the marketplace today. Waiting to see how the crop comes together and uh, looks like based on USDA estimate, it's going to drag on quite a bit further before uh, we see the beet entities willing to yeah. come to market again. And any any uh, commentary on the the raw sugar market uh, right now, as far as uh, tightness or how things are going? Well. You know, that 170,000 ton quota from Mexico really didn't help out much uh, last month. And uh, things are still looking pretty tight. And when you look at what's going on with the beet crop, the cane uh, refiners are going to have to step up and they're going to have to take a bigger share of deliveries. So, you know, you start running into tighter capacity again. And even though that you got new crops coming, it looks like it's going to be another year of, of maintaining tight cane stocks. Well, and we've talked about uh, just communication with the suppliers, the users and suppliers. This Q3 timeframe, the next couple months is going to be absolutely crucial for that. Yeah. Um, you know, with rail, truck, availability of sugar, it's just going to be a, a real, real good time to get to make sure you know your suppliers very well and you give them forecasts. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, it comes back to USDA, are they going to do anything or not? Yeah. And certainly, you know, hearing the uh, users association, et cetera, you know, hitting up USDA and saying we need more sugar, which when we see some of the spot prices, that kind of seems to be the case. So yeah. I think there's certainly an argument to be made and it'll be interesting to see if, uh, you know, both cane refiners and users of sugar uh, voices are heard or not here in the near term. Excellent. Well, thank you, Kevin. That was a great recap. Thank you, Nicole. Great recap. And before we let people go, remember, if you're an IQ subscriber, you can get all this great analysis online and on our IQ platform. If you're not, go ahead and reach out to us at McKinney-Flavelle.com. We'll put you on a test drive. It's fast and furious and you're going to love it. So uh, reach out to us. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe and be present. And until our next podcast, take care, everybody. See ya. See ya. Bye now. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favelle.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.